Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Dog Check. I am Max Loeb here with Eric Metcalf on a Victory Tuesday. Eric, how are you feeling about that unbelievable game against Indianapolis? I'm, I'm feeling good because it's a win. Yeah. When, it's all, when it's all said and done, you play the game to win. And we came out with a W. It wasn't pretty like we wanted it to be. We Everybody thought we would march in and just shut the Colts' offense down, even though they have very good players and, and the way our defense has been playing. That didn't happen. Um, we didn't expect Deshaun to start the game and not finish the game. Yeah. And, and, end up, and P.J. ended up having to come in in the first quarter. We didn't expect that. And so – they overcame a lot of things during the course of this game. They yeah. they, they also uh, made some things happen, especially on defense and, and special teams that changed the outcome of this game. And so I, I look, I feel good about it because it's one of those games where everything just wasn't going right, but they still battled and found a way to win. They still found a way to win. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. That is the biggest thing I took away too. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but. It seemed like it was going to be a letdown spot somewhere. Did not think it'd be on the defensive side of the ball. But again, like your defense doesn't play as well as they have. You still find a way to win. It's enormous, enormous for morale. Right. And and when and you talk about their defense not playing, our defense not playing as well as they had in the previous weeks. And we and they still created points. Yep. They still had three strip sacks. And they still had they they still did a lot of things that defenses wish they could do. It's just the scoreboard that people think they didn't play well because they they scored thirty eight points. But we gave up. Yeah. We had two turnovers also, and so we gave them a, more opportunities than they should have had. So you know, I don't, I can't really be mad at the defense for for what they did because when it was time to shut them down, they did what they had to do. They absolutely did do what they had to do. And the, in addition to uh, giving up the points, they created seven of their own too. Plus the ones, you know, you got points off turnovers too, but physically the defense scored a touchdown, which was cool. We talked about that on uh, last Thursday with Andrew Siciliano. What's the one way they can improve turnovers and scoring, I guess, but turnovers. And I said the one way the guy had to, with Miles Garrett, if he yep. wanted to be defensive player of the year, strip sacks. In which he did strip sack and a block field goal. Crazy. He, he did things in this game that changed the outcome of that game and stepped up his case for being defensive player of the year. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about that because it's the defensive player of the year race is fascinating. And the sports world is all over the place with awards, but the last of the major sports kicks off tonight, actually, the NBA season. And Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA and NFL action this season. MLB postseason, NFL, college football, and NHL in full swing, soon to be NBA. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head to the Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And like you talked about, Eric, on Friday, the game should have and sh- should have started and ended with Miles Garrett. How how surprised were you that he made that many plays? I'm not really surprised because that's who he's been, right? Um, 
I'm just I'm surprised that it worked out where he was able to get these strip sacks in the, in the previous games. It hasn't been, he's been get, able to get sacks, but it's not strip sacks. So he was in position to make those plays. Gardner Minshew was back there standing like the, the Statue of Liberty, like he had time <laughs> all, all day to throw the ball. And so when you have a rush like that uh, alongside of a player like Miles, it makes it a little easier. And so they they created plays. The one play down in the end zone, when we scored the touchdown. He went around two guys. Yeah. It's like they, they didn't even attempt to block him. Like yep. they like we can't block him, so we're just gonna let him go and hope. Hopefully, Minshew throws the ball quickly, which didn't happen. Touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, uh, oddly enough, eerily similar to the Patriots-Raiders game last week, the week before. The exact same thing happened where they sent somebody to chip Max Crosby and they just didn't block him after they chipped him. And the, Literally the same exact play. His was only a safety. Miles Garrett's was a touchdown. But it's it's a weird thing. Like when you try to chip a guy like that, you hope you get a better piece of him and not just, you know, just let him go by and then have one-on-one with the tackle. And it, w- it was an incredible performance from him. The blocked field goal was – one of the coolest plays I've ever seen in my life. Like that was awesome. Right. They must have actually scouted that because you only yeah. those are one of those plays. You only get one shot at it, really. I mean, we've yep. seen people do it more than once, like Cam Chancellor did for the Seahawks yeah. a few years ago. But generally, you only get one shot at it because mm-hmm. from here on out, they're going to stand up a little bit, and you can't touch them, obviously. So they must have saw something on film that led them to believe that Miles can get quickly, especially as fast as his jump off is uh, on the snap count. He was able to get over there quickly and block the kick. I wish we could have scored just on that play, but yeah. but, but it was it was a great play in its, in itself. It would have been cool, and I had the Browns defense in fantasy, so another six points would have been great. But you're right; it was a very very cool play. And out outside of the Miles Garrett strip sacks plural, the block Denzel Ward made a play. Other guys were flying around the field, and like you said. You know they gave up points. Eventually, that was bound to happen. There was going to be a game where they gave up a lot of points, but still be in it. And we move to the offset, offensive side of the ball. They made enough plays at the end of the game, too. And by they, I mean the offense and Dustin right. Hopkins. But they made enough plays. Yeah, they, they like this, the the throw on the sideline, PJ Walker at the end on that third down, yeah. right at right in the hole versus that cover two was a very good throw. That was a game-winning throw. Those are the kind of plays that you have to make to win games in these situations. And and granted, you know. They can say we, there were some calls missed or or made that shouldn't have been made. That's part of the game. That's happening every game. And, and so you just got to make the plays when you're given the opportunity. And when they were given the opportunity, they made the plays. And that's what I'm happy about. Because once again, it's one of those things, one of those games where everything didn't go smoothly. Yeah. But I just kept battling. At, at no point did it look like they felt like they were going to lose that game. Mm-hmm. Even though as, as a fan, you could have said, oh, we're probably not <laughs> going to win this game. But they, but the players and, and the coaching staff at that and during that game, or it appeared to me that they never thought they were going to lose that game, even when they were behind. Yeah, it certainly did not seem like it. it they didn't maybe didn't have it in control the entire time, but you're right. Like It, it didn't seem out of their hands at any point. Uh, it's it's crazy to think about. If I told you we'd be doing this podcast in October, told you this past couple months, um, and PJ Walker would be making game winning throws for the Cleveland Browns, I don't think you would have believed me. It's pretty wild. I would not believe you. I, all I know is that I said at this point in the season we'd be four and two. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> I was actually I was looking back on it. We'll talk about it at the end because this this upcoming game is a tough one. I, I I'm six for six on picking games, so I I was. Right on for the start of the season for the Browns, but I th- I think I'm gonna have to go back. You're on six my for word. six. 
I am six for six because I had I had the Ravens I had the Ravens beating them week four. I'm so I'm five and one. Yeah, because I switched the Raiders and the the Niners. Yep, exactly. And here comes Game Seven. Yeah, <laughs> and this is a tough one. We'll talk. We'll talk a little bit about that now. It this is a a tough tough team to beat. Tough team to beat. We can start on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, it's it hasn't been the offense we thought it would be from what we saw last year, but it's slowly getting back to that. I personally think Kenneth Walker is playing as good as any running back in the NFL right now outside of Christian McCaffrey. He's running really, really hard. You have all the playmakers on the outside. Obviously, Geno Smith is good enough. What do you think it takes to stop this offense? They're, they're basically what we would think the Browns would be, a run-first team. And they'll make some big plays in, in the passing game. But they've they've done it, like you said, they've done a great job with Kenneth Walker running the ball. And that's how they even they had an ugly game against the Cardinals this past week. But when it was all said and done, it was the run game that was able to push them forward. And I think that's what it's it's gonna take. It's, they have very good receivers. They have a bunch of yeah. guys. They got Tyler, they have Jackson Smith and, and DK if he if he comes back and and, and the rookie. So they're, yeah. they're they have a lot of good receivers in the passing game. Hopefully you can uh we can do like Cincinnati did and keep him off Geno off his spot where he can't just stand back there and throw. In the beginning of the Cardinals game the other day, he was just standing back there throwing and, and picking him apart. So I think because they their line is decimated, got some injuries also that our our front four front seven for that matter can play a big part in, in how we all t- uh, determine how they run their offense. Yeah. It's, it always comes down to that, to stopping the run, getting the quarterback off the spot. I think a big part of it is if DK plays or not, I know rookie, like you said, Jake Bobo had a good game last week, but you know, DK, DK is a different animal about the out there. You have Lockett and JSN to stretch the field a little bit. Both guys will play in the slot, but that true X DK Metcalf, like, that that's a guy you game plan for. That's a guy you worry about if they want to move Ward around. I'm not sure if they will, but if they want to, like that's what you would do. It it's going to hinge on that, I think, a lot. And DK is a very very good player, and the offense can function without him, but not to their full capability. Right, and, and he's a big physical receiver. So I, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Do you move DK? I mean, uh, Denzel over there to be on top of thing, uh, DK, knowing that he's a lot bigger than him and, and can possibly push him around, or you just put one of the bigger guys yeah. on him and, and let them get physical and hope and hope that while they're being physical with him, that the line is putting applying pressure to Geno Smith. And so those are the type of things that Jim Source, I know he's already thought about. He's been doing this for hundreds of years and will game plan uh, properly for, for this team. But what we, what we have to do, once again, stop the run, and force Gino into making mistakes. In the last few weeks, he's made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, he's throwing the ball, yeah. he's throwing the ball when he shouldn't have thrown the ball. Um, driving, going into the end zone a few times against Cincinnati and against Arizona this week. He, he threw some intercepts, some picks going in. And so, we if we can keep him off the spot, like we said, keep him worrying about that rush. We'll we gonna make it rough on them. Yeah. And the if there's one team that will, it's the Browns. I don't know if the Seahawks have played a pass rush like Cleveland's yet. But it's going to be a tough game, regardless, going to the other side of the ball. Defensively, Seattle has some pieces as well. Witherspoons look really good. You know, obviously, they have Bobby Wagner, the linebackers that they have. They, they have some good pieces, and it's not the Seattle defense that we've seen, like you mentioned before, with Cam Chancellor. But 
they're good enough. And I think it's a pretty even matchup against the way this Browns offense is playing right now. And and these guys, I, I think their defense is actually better than people think, especially especially against the run. They're they're, mm-hmm. they're for their, those guys are playing very well. They're able to make a lot of plays. But it's those it's the things that the things like blitzing the corners and the safeties that you have to worry about. They they blitz the slot a lot. Witherspoon has blitzed a lot this year. You know Jamal Adams will be blitzing coming sometime, and so we have to be able to to pick that up in order to make plays regardless of which quarterback is playing. This is, this is what you have to do. If we can get Jamal Adams in situations where he's covering people, then then there's a place you can go to yeah. and win yeah. and, make, and make winning plays. And so I, once again, we're going to have to establish the run. doesn't have to be pretty. doesn't have to be one guy carrying for hundred yards. It's just, being consistent with the run and 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 making positive gains. Don't lose lose yards and get behind the chains and and, and make it easier, especially if it's PJ Walker throwing. Make it easier for him to uh, be on second and third down. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up PJ Walker. I want to ask a million dollar question here: If Deshaun is ready to go, healthy, does he start? If me, no. I agree. I don't, I don't start him because I want him to be. 100% healthy throughout the course of the year. Okay. I mean, he was ready to play this this past week, but obviously he wasn't 100%. If we we need for the run that we're trying to make, we need him to be 100% Deshaun Watson, right? And so if he's at 70%, okay, that could be a better PJ Walker, but in the end that's not best for the team. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather PJ Walker go out there Play good football. Don't mess it up. Let the defense win and, and and try to win the game as opposed to suffering another injury for Deshaun Watson and it hurting us throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. I honestly look at it more of the on at, from the on-field play lens than the injury lens. I agree with you, though. Like 100% can't risk a long-term injury to a guy you think is going to be your franchise quarterback. But I honestly think P.J. Walker has – done what Watson can the past couple weeks. And I think another thing that goes unnoticed is that this is only what his second, I guess his third practice week now in this system. And he improved compared from the 49ers game to the Colts game. It's not a crazy thing to say. He can also improve going into the Seattle week. He's learning more of the playbook. He's becoming more comfortable in the system. Give him the keys. If Watson's not healthy, I don't think you look back. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not mad at it. I mean, just to be honest, this is a game that going into the season, we both picked the Seahawks to win the game. And, yeah. and, and it's not because I thought that the Seahawks were a better team. It's because at, at coming off of playing San Francisco and going, now going to Indy and then coming to Seattle in this environment. I live here. I know yeah. I know what it's like to be in, in, in the stadium and how loud these fans are and rabid these fans are and what it's going to be like. And, and chances are it's going to rain also. Yeah. And so that makes it rough when, when you put all those factors together. This makes it a very difficult place to play. And so, you know, I once again, even if Deshaun is healthy enough to play, I, I say just let him sit out another week and let's let's see what happens. Yeah, let's see what happens. Before we before we talk about the game picks, because I know we are both struggling mentally to pick these. Who is your biggest X factor? I can I'll let you choose your side of the ball again first. I'm going to go offense first. Okay. 
And I'm going to say Kareem Hunt. Nice. Okay. And I'm going to say Kareem Hunt with Jerome out with the ankle injury. I think Kareem gets to come in as a starter and, and be the guy that we know he can be. And so now, depending on what Stefanski has in the playbook for P.J. Walker, if he is the guy, you can expand Kareem's role because we know he can split out and play receiver. We know he can get in the back and, and, and run the ball. So now Seahawks defense, they can't plan based on personnel mm-hmm. because he doesn't have to come off the field. You know, it's, it's not like you have to – when we're running some plays with a running back split out when it was Jerome Ford as the starter, and now you send Kareem in and they have to switch. Yeah. Kareem stays in there. He can split out. So now you don't know what, what the personnel is. And so it makes it hard to, to determine how you call a defense based on, on him being out there. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great call. I think offensively it's going to come down to the run game too. But I'm going to go back to Amari Cooper just because of what happened last week or last Sunday. Just not not super involved, targeted a good amount of times, but just not on the same page as P.J. Walker. And I think you know if the Browns can hold up along the offensive line, that's a, that's a guy that's going to have to have a good game because the Browns are going to have to score again to stay in this game. I think it'll be a moderately high-scoring game. But that Colts secondary is a little bit worse than the Seahawks secondary. Those guys can play back there. The safeties are really good too, so – I think Cooper's going to have to have a big game. Defensively, it's tough again. I I think Grant Delpit. I think you know the way they move around. Um, I think they're going to do a lot of different things and bring different people into the box to stop this Seahawks run game. And if it's me, I think Delpit's in there a lot. I think he makes some plays. Maybe he comes down and plays in the slot a little bit with these these guys like JSN and Tyler Lockett. I think I think he has to have a big game for them to succeed defensively. Whoa. Okay, this is hard on me. Yeah, it's like, tough. I, I, I actually want to pick one of the corners, mm-hmm. but I don't know which one. I don't know if okay. I want. I don't know if I want to pick the, one of the outside guys or the slot guys because you know, yeah. watching watching the Seahawks, they run a lot of crossing routes. Mm-hmm. And so these guys are going to have to cross them and maybe they pass them off. Maybe they're in man to man. It all depends. So I, I think the corners as a whole, I, I don't want to okay. pick yeah. a particular one because just the way I've seen uh, Seahawks run their passing, passing game. And so it's a lot of crossing routes, deep overs and then things like that. And so I'm going with the corners as a group. Okay. That's very fair. I like it. I think that, yeah, like you said, they're going to have to have a big game. It's going to, the game's going to be won in the secondary. I think the Browns will do enough to stop the run. The game's going to be won in the secondary. I think we can agree on that. Let's hear the score prediction because, like you said, we both picked the Seahawks at the beginning of the year. This is, this is a tough game, tough environment. What are you thinking? 23 Seahawks. Oh, okay. <laughs> I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but I got to go with what I said in the beginning of the year. I just, and I'm still, a, it works out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back on my word. I think the Browns were in for a big letdown, like I talked about at the beginning this past week. I think it, it didn't think it'd be the defensive side of the ball, but I thought there was gonna be a big letdown on one side of the ball. I thought it was gonna be a close game that they maybe lose by a field goal. But like you said, they won. And everything that probably could have gone wrong did go wrong. There were a lot of bad plays that were made. 
but they made enough good plays, especially on the defensive side of the ball to keep themselves in the game. I think that's a mark of a good team. And I think they play up to the Seahawks. I think they beat them 26, 24. here. And I'm all for that. I <laughs> want that to happen. Yeah. I, I really want that to happen. I'm the only one who has to live in this city and walk around and listen to this madness. Yeah. If it doesn't happen. <laughs> right. And, and so I want that to happen more than anyone. I promise you. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it is going to be a tough game. Like it, we both agree. It's a one possession game. Probably honestly, probably one on special teams and we'll see what happens there. It was good last week, but you never know. So we appreciate you guys listening. You will be hearing this on Wednesday morning, the 25th. Eric, any last words before we sign off? Don't let me down, Browns. I have to walk <laughs> around in this city and listen to this. So every time somebody sees me with some Brown stuff after this game, they were talking about, yeah, we beat you if that happens. I don't want that to happen. So, no. you know, and I got a lot of family members that'll be talking, talking nests. <laughs> I see that in my life. I just want to be happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make us happy. Make us happy, Cleveland. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. This is the Dog Check presented by Bet Online. We will see you guys next time. Go Browns. Go Browns. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.